The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The old forms are sparsely populated. If the link is correct, I will find them quickly. Move against the listeners first. You will then have no difficulty in taking the hosts back to Naboo, where they will sign the treaty. At last we'll reveal ourselves to the subreddit. At last we'll have our revenge. You have been well trained, my young co-host. There will be no match for us. It is too late for them to unsubscribe from us now. Everything is going as planned. The Dark Times will soon be in my command. Welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast, not a Saga Edition podcast. No, saga, okay. that's saga. a long A. Sam is learning. It's 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 great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sam, your favorite Senate. <laughs> How the hell am I supposed to follow that up? <laughs> Come on, you can do it. And I'm Steven, your favorite fan favorite assassin who turns into a spider. <laughs> My favorite Spider-Man in the Disney canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, Spider-Man broke. Spider-Mall is woke. Let's let's be real here. We have some feedback from last week, Steve. We do, quite a bit. Y'all have been pelting our mailbox, and honestly, we couldn't be happier about it. First one today is from Ezekiel, writing in about Brutal Unarmed Strike, a talent we featured last week when we were, what was that fourth tradition? The Wardens of the Sky, Wardens of the right? Sky, the they ass kicker. The ass kicker. <laughs> Tradition. They were um, kind of solitary cowboy space monks. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Brutal unarmed strike. Does the reroll keep happening until the die isn't a one or is it just a reroll for the one? Well, Ezekiel, I'll do you the favor. Of, I already know the answer to your question, but I'm just going to read the talent out loud and then tell you what I think. Brutal unarmed strike from the Warden of the Sky talent tree. This is, of course, from the Jedi Academy training manual. Has a prerequisite telekinetic strike, but the talent reads, whenever you roll damage for an unarmed attack, you re-roll any dice that come up with a result of one. Ezekiel, to me, that sounds like you just re-roll any die that comes up with a one. Really? Yeah. I could see this as re-rolling. Well, so yes, you only re-roll the dice to have the one. Yeah. But if they roll a one again. They got a one, so roll it. You roll again? Yeah. It's okay, that's any, Anytime the dice ends up with a one, roll it. That sounds That sounds great. Yeah. That's why I thought. Absolutely. That's not bad, especially if you take into consideration like any of the martial arts three, like I roll D8s now for my unarmed strikes and stuff like that. For real. It definitely, it, well, we have some more feedback later on that, that it kind of shines a light on the more statistical back end of that. Because it doesn't sound like a bad talent, but if you care about math, you, you <laughs> might be disappointed. Yeah. Next one is from Nick. Uh, the Flesh Devourer is how he uh, signed his email. So that's how I'm going to refer to him on air. For our, his bounty, yeah. you, <laughs> you confused it as being named the Flesh Devourer. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. That, I thought he named the his submission the Flesh no, Devourer. No, it wasn't. You what thought, was the name? I, it was just called the Flesh Devourer, but you were like, oh, Nick the Flesh Devourer, that's a weird name for a beast. <laughs> and so he's taken that and run with it, which I think is great. I didn't even realize I messed that up. That's so funny. <laughs> Nick says, I wanted to write in and say thank you for dedicating an episode to discussing alternate force traditions, even if it was only to the extent of highlighting a few. Please keep up the awesome work on the podcast. I honestly have a hard time waiting for each new episode as it comes out and look forward to listening to it as soon as I can when it comes out. Thank you so much, Nick. 
really appreciate yeah, the, the positive words. feedback. It, it propels us to, to new and ever greater heights. So we really love to hear it. Thank you very much. Nick, the flesh devourer. Uh, we love your email. We had to abridge it for radio time. We're going to feature all the cool stuff you wrote about the Madukai in next episode. And Hey, Maybe if you have a favorite force tradition, Nick just wrote in all about his. If you've got one you really want to see talked about in the show, maybe you've got a bill to help represent it. Write it in. I had a good time talking about force traditions last week. I liked the format of that episode, and I think you'll see more of that because there's a lot of force traditions to talk about. I agree. Our next feedback comes from Little Literalist, friend of the show. Little Literalist says, The quick-seeing talent could be useful not only for the far-seeing build, but also for force disciples who have far-seeing as a prerequisite. This talent lets them actually use that for something. You know, that's a great point. I never like, I always, the far seeing prerequisite on Forest Disciple makes sense and is cool. But in terms of like using it in combat, it always kind of felt like an appendix just dangling there on the end. And far seeing is such a vague power. I do like that there's several talents that actually let you trade far seeing's default functionality for something with a little more teeth. It's, oh, and it's no trouble for a Forest Disciple to like pick up a, a Forest Tradition talent here or there. I do like the concept of giving far seeing like an in battle usage rather than just being yeah. a story based. It's very much like a story heavy talent. It is. It is. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I, I like exactly. parsing power for that reason because it, it's the, it makes you role play, but is the sense talent tree also has those cool, are they like attack rerolls? I think so. That you yeah. can get with, with far seeing really nice, really yeah. nice stuff. Little also says Warrens of the sky is such a cool tradition. I thought that their talent tree really sucked, but those first two talents you read off are decent. Brutal unarmed strike is definitely terrible, though. No matter what size dice, the talent only adds an average of less than half a point of damage. It could add a lot more, but it is also very likely to not activate at all. That's a good point. Yeah, so, I mean, he's right. Like, on the average of an entire campaign, there's probably better talents if you want more unarmed damage. Um, but for a one shot, maybe. But for a one shot and the feeling of being able to oh, turn that one into an great. eight, like, I mean, when that happens, it won't happen a lot. But when it does, uh, it would feel fucking awesome. That's one of those things where what's the what's the talent I like? Uh, advantageous opening. Yes. Where, you, yes. where anytime anyone rolls a nat one on an attack within line of sight, you get a standard action to attack. Which with. doesn't sound very often, but the times it did trigger were awesome. Oh, but they're most memorable like that. That's yes, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, statistically, it's not the best talent, but at least it's not fucking gambler. Is what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw someone make a gambler talent joke on the subreddit recently. I probably did. Yeah. It was, uh, God, someone was talking about, oh yeah, it was a thread about like, okay, what, what's the worst character I could make? Like, what are some talents I should choose if I want the worst possible character? I think someone said gambler and I was like, All yes. gambler. <laughs> Zoe Krolik, another friend of the show, wrote in, Hey, Sam and Steven, Jordy's Swissy Reading Rainbow. We were talking about Jordy LaForge. Yeah. Commander? Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Lieutenant Jordy LaForge. Yeah. LeVar Burton was probably my favorite pick they did for Jeopardy, like, the last season. Did you yes. see that? Yes, I did yeah, see that. And I, cool. I, I, well, I was the only one I watched because I couldn't bring myself to watch any others because I was too sad, about, too sad about Alex, Alex Trebek's Trebek. passing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't uh, watched it since he died, except the LeVar Burton one. You've done some Swissy GM hints, but how about hints for a new to Swissy GM? Tricks and hints for a GM coming from a fantasy background, 5e or Pathfinder. You've mentioned that you both play Pathfinder. Things like opening up the encounter range, multiclassing, etc. May the best beast win. I'm waiting for the next N-T-N-O-I-L-K-Y. That is name that NPC or I literally <laughs> kill you. So Sam and I have had some internal conversations about the, the new to Swissy episode. 
we've had a few episodes that like attempted the like new to Swissy, what should I know thing. Yeah. I found it hard to encapsulate everything you need to know in one episode. Yeah. And and try, trying also, to, yeah. <laughs> in an and, hour and a half for yeah. all the information you need to GM. Yeah. And, no. and I'm also hesitant to do like a series of episodes like that. But if we can really corner what specifically we need to highlight, I, I think we can do it. Especially I, I Zoy presented this in the, the idea of like, how does Swissy contrast from other popular I like systems? I that idea, yeah. I think if we highlight the differences and explain why they're there. The appeal of Swissy. Why, why those differences appeal to us, I, yeah. I think, and what they are. I think that's kind of the, the route we should take Yeah, here. we'll do that. Give that a shot, weeks, see how it probably. feels. Uh, thank you very much, Lloyd, for writing in. It's always great to hear from you. Uh, and indeed, may the best beast win. I can't wait to see how that how that poll goes. And you, dear listener, can write in yourself at darktimesswse at gmail.com. Absolutely. Stephen, what are we talking about? This week. So long ago, like our first week of recording this show, I had an idea for an episode and then I forgot it. (laughs) And I kind of hadn't. And that frustrated me. Sometimes I forget things. I'm a little bit absent minded and it can frustrate me when I forget something, especially when I think it's a genuinely good idea. I didn't remember it until this last week when you were like, what if we covered some adventures? There's dozens of these things. They're printed in almost every supplement book. We just ran one of them and had a blast. It was if, a great time. If I, if I say so myself. And that's when you said, like, what if we feature these on the show more? And I'm like, God damn it. I think this is the thing that I wanted to do a year ago and forgot about. <laughs> it only took you a year. Only took me a year. So I'm glad we're here, folks. We're going to talk about the myriad of pre-made modules available to Swissy. I'm not talking about Dawn of Defiance. Dawn of Defiance is great. I mean, especially to start out playing Swissy, there's nothing better. So I've selected two modules that I've actually ran and enjoyed uh, today. And then if we have time, we might speculate about a few other ones that look cool. But but these I've ran. The, the first uh, is Danger in the Dark from the Unknown Regions Sourcebook. This was designed for six level heroes. I ran it at level eight with no problem. I was three level eight players and then like a NPC fighter squad. Yeah. Um, I meant fighter and like the, the, the path. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were rebel soldiers, specifically the hired blasters squad stat block from, I don't think it's Dawn of defiance, but it's a different adventure module. So, you know, go it's on the wiki. It's on the wiki. Sam, I just wanted to start. You played in this module. What did you think of it? I loved it. It was very much so. This was gal. Which which book was this from? Again? Unknown regions. Unknown regions. Yeah, yeah, I could feel that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, it was our Halloween session, Stephen. It, it was. was a very great time. I very much enjoyed the visual aids you brought to the table, as well as you know, just the whole. It was framed in a very fun way, and it wasn't. It didn't feel. Like I was bogged down with choices. Does that make sense? It oh, was something that's where good. Our, the main goal was so was clearly laid out and my role in this was clearly laid out as well. And, you know, not to put the cart before the horse here, but I played basically like the the way that Steven ran it came across as like alien movie ported to Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm glad you said that because I, I wrote down right here, alien the movie really inspired this module. It's obvious in every corner. This is like the bring the alien experience to your table, the module, the adventure. And I very easily slipped my character, Dev Debo, into like the grizzled Marine, like 
You went full space marine during that session. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. It was great. It didn't help that, I mean, it helped that I only had an auto fire only weapon and I was a terrible shot pretty much the whole time. Very accurate for alien, I feel like. Really, really. It kind of <laughs> helped you getting that half damage on auto fire pretty much every round really yeah. helped it feel like you were kind of just frantically firing into the dark. It oh, was, yeah. It was really cool. And the, the things we said to the other characters in the session it was very much like I'll get you out of here alive (laughs) I think you had some grunts with you that were like you know whimpering and scared of the unknown alien threat that they were dealing with and I think you you got to to tough them up just a little bit like a imagine this like middle-aged Duros trying to convince you that you're gonna live but doing a horrible job because he has no charisma whatsoever yeah (laughs) so he's just like no matter what we will complete the mission yeah that that is exactly what you said it was so funny well, I'm glad you you liked it. You know, I was my main hesitations with the module were like choice paralysis and unclear goals. So I kind of really tried to shore those up. I adapted this module isn't meant for like a military campaign like we play. But the cool thing about a military campaign is you can throw any module in quite easily because you can order the party to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, that's been my favorite contrivance with running a military campaign is that I have full lease to make you go somewhere and do something. It's It's not railroading. It's your mission. Exactly. (laughs) No, like straight up. And you know, there's argument to be said that it was railroading, but oh no, I railroaded you guys into a Halloween encounter that you wanted. Like (laughs) fucking sue me. It's not even, it's not railroading per se, especially when like the overall overall goal is like, we have a common goal. We're the rebellion, you know, we're here to, you know, fight the empire. So, I'm going to listen to my commanding officer. He's not a dick. I mean, he might be, but at least he's a good guy. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Fanrot's definitely a a dick, but he is a good guy as as best as we can tell. Do you want to read uh, this little description? Yeah, I've got the official adventure outline here. And then there's like two sub chapter outlines from the book as well. And then we're not going to read like plot sensitive information. I was going to do like a full dissection of these modules, but I realized most of the people listening probably won't be running these they'll probably be playing them at least you know if the ratio works out well so i don't want to spoil any big twists here we go either just before the heroes arrive at isle isle's a planet in the unknown regions source book i o l it looks like lol if you spell <laughs> it out but it's isle or just after they depart their ship sustains minor damage forcing them to stop for emergency repairs the nearest facility at the edge of the star system is a space station that is mainly used as a customs port for inspecting ships and cargo destined for Isle. The heroes dock their ship without incident. They discover that the station is abandoned, but they find all the parts they need to make the repairs. While the characters explore the station, they find evidence that another being is on board with them. At first, they briefly encounter a large creature that moves in the shadows but does not directly confront them. Eventually, the heroes face the creature in combat. If they defeat it, they can contact Isle with the news the station has been secured. So, obviously this wasn't a perfect fit for the state of of my campaign. You guys were currently kind of laying low in a fringe outer rim system, sector, even. You know the Empire's on your tail, you don't know exactly when they find you, but you have an objective here that you need to take care of. What I decided to do was put that objective, a simple silver durasteel like briefcase on isle station isle station is still a customs uh station that has recently been strangely abandoned and isn't responding to any hailing frequencies from your guys's main ship the the serendipity 
another requisite to run this adventure is the party needs to be damaged in a ship. So I did a little bit of GM magic. I had the quest giver, your commanding officer, that's that's Commander Kath Vanron, tell you guys, suggest that the party take a single vessel to this mission. It's normally a fighter squadron, so this is a little unusual. But this also prompted a player to bring along that uh, hired blaster squadron. They're, they're the Zenzo's fire team. They're an affiliated group of soldiers that, that hang out with you guys sometimes. And so that was kind of that was kind of a two and two moment. I really felt like my desires as a GM converge with the player's critical thinking skills. And I mean, I love it when you guys think. It's not railroading. I left a trail of breadcrumbs specifically <laughs> where I wanted you to go. And it's not my fault you wanted the breadcrumbs so goddamn bad. Exactly, you fucking duck. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also needed that single ship of yours to be damaged because you needed to be stranded on the creepy station. Obviously, a creepy station with an unknown threat, you guys are going to want to book it out of there immediately. Any smart party would. That's why I had, I just made some shit up. The tractor beam docking aids on the outside of the hangar that help guide the ship in. I had one of them malfunction and like super tug the U-wing that you were in towards the edge of the hangar, scrape some ship up. Oh no, the made up words primary motivator failed. And here we are. We're, We're in danger in the dark. So the next chapter summary reads, as the heroes approach Isle Station, which is owned and operated by Tangan Industries, Communication frequencies are oddly silent, and sensor scans detect no life forms. This strikes the heroes as odd, especially if they are leaving the system and they previously stopped at the station on their way in. At that time, it was bustling with activity. I love that suggestion from the book, even though I didn't use it. <laughs> it's great in like a sandboxy, more unknown region style campaign yeah. where if there's a lot of exploring around and oh yeah, they, you know, they stop for fuel and snacks at this station. Having them come back the other way after they're done doing whatever else they were doing to see it abandoned, like mysteriously, super cool. Definitely do that if you can. While the heroes repair, this is the next chapter summary. While the heroes repair their ship using the parts they found in the storage room, this adventure prompts the group to go search the station for repair parts, naturally. They discover that they need one more piece of equipment to fix a key system. The heroes will have to return to the storage room to locate this part. Although the room is not a great distance from the hero's ships, with the creature loose, it is dangerous for any hero to make the trip alone. A group or all of the heroes travel to the storage room together. So in between those first two summaries, you have the party looking for their part. The module has some great suggestions as to where the part could be. Maybe it's in one of the creepy abandoned storage rooms where you can also find the crate that the creature broke out of and took its first victim's life. There's the maintenance room, which is kind of adjacent to the storage room where it's kind of the primary nest for the creature. I added another overarching plot relevant uh, objective to this adventure as well in the command center. So I really made sure they had the full breadth of, of exploring this thing, which gave me a lot of room to insert these like creepy tension building bits where, Oh no guys, you hear something weird. And they're like, what is it? And I'm like, make a perception check. And I'm like, it's so dark and creepy. You can't even see. Whoa. We talked about this. This was, I don't know if we typed this in the show or not, but mm. you got to use your soundboard for the first yes, time. Yes. Yes. I have a software soundboard on my, on my computer. The, the software is called sound ducks. Uh, strongly recommend very simple software. You just add audio files and you can, you can add hotkeys all you want. So you just press some shit. I have it on my numpad during a session. I just hit that shit. Bam, bing, boom, making creepy noises. There was a slight malfunction where it, I couldn't, cause this was an online session. We were in discord. 
it turned out, even though it was supposed to work this way, I couldn't talk in Discord while the sounds from my soundboard were playing. They were supposed to be able to stream together, but they they weren't. So I had to improvise on this. And what it ended up being was my players would ask a question or we would change scenes and I would just not say anything for 20, 30 seconds while I let this creepy <laughs> ambience play out. And it it kind of really helped the pacing of the session a, a lot, not to toot my own diddle here, but a, a, a new spectator new to the group was, was just listening in. And, oh yeah. You loved that. huh? And he, yeah. he said that my, my diction and my pacing were perfect. And I was like, okay, all right. You Uses know, his technical difficulties to his advantage. Wow. Steven's such a great game master. You got to improvise. If it's you the T tension, tension, that remember was the that. T that was one of them. I don't remember the others right now. But <laughs> environment was one of them. We used them all. I promise. Surprise. Was one yeah. Of them. Surprise. <laughs> ah. But yeah, um, really, really great stuff. I, I, I'm, I encourage every GM out there to do what you can. Dance with the stumble, stumble with the dance, whatever the fuck it is. What's that turn of phrase? I'm not familiar. I just, <laughs> make an unexpected technical difficulty into part of the dance, so to speak, part of the performance. It's, it's hard to do and I'm bad at it, but I, I, I did it right for once. You did a great job, Steven. I have a few bullet points for what I liked and didn't like, or what I liked and would change about, about this module. It's alien. So it's fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I even watched the movie like a few days before running the session, just to make sure I could get the vibe right research. It counts. <laughs> <laughs> There's ample opportunities for exploration for skill checks. Um, I really should have inserted more hazards. I wish I did, but there, there's lots of room for hazards here. Lots of really cool, like maybe sudden depressurization. Absolutely. Um, exposed plasma conduit is one of my favorite hazards uh, just because you can totally torch. It's like a CL-12. You can really get, do some damage with Poisonous it. Poisonous gas. Poisonous gas. I mean, anything works here. And just lots of room for building tension. Like I said, the unexpected audio interface troubles I had helped kind of forced me to build that tension. And, and it really worked out. Make sure you do that. This was also the test bed for those four bullet points of TTRPG horror that we talked about a couple episodes ago. The one that A is going to, I'm going to lose it over what A was. A was, uh, ambience. Am, am, was it? I am, don't think so. You should just look, right? <laughs> I have it right here. Atmosphere. Atmosphere. Lots of atmosphere here, especially since the module gives you lots of guidance and inspiration. And again, obviously, I can't read you the whole module right here. You should go on and, and look at it. Um, the module gives you plenty of spaces and ideas for building that atmosphere, building that tension. Um, it even gives suggestions for a few random encounters uh, that you can do if the players are dumb enough to split themselves off. It was like if two or less players find themselves in this hallway, it's like, why? No one's that dumb for the horror, the horror mod. Like, first of all, never split the party, but also the horror module. Like, uh, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you guys are kind of, you guys were like a, one of our players is the type to like do that on purpose to try to like get, get even more scared. Cause he's just, a like that. <laughs> well, I think we really, we really played into like our roles in a horror movie very well. Yes, like we absolutely. About. You had the twitchy guy, you had the space <laughs> Marine, you had the seasoned veteran kind of hold, trying to hold it all together. You had this, the scared greener guy, you had the real military bend on it, which yeah. was, which was cool. I should have watched aliens. Yeah. That's the one that's very much like the military guys are there. Yeah. yeah. It culminates in a really flexible final confrontation with a super cool battle map. Um, I took some liberties with it. It's, um, it's in a dank, gross ruined storage room. So it's difficult terrain for the whole thing, which I loved because y'all were rushing in, charging around at first. And I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. Difficult terrain also means no withdrawing depending on your yeah. reading of the withdrawal action, which is uh 
real good for a horror session. Well, there are some, I believe there are some talents that let you withdraw with half your movement as long as you get out, as long as you do it correctly. Yeah, it's because withdraw says your first square should get you out, but then you can't move one square. You have to move two squares of movement to, it's a little confusing. I've decided you can't withdraw in difficult terrain because other RPGs are the same way. So might as well. I beefed up the default creatures called like a Vindanax. I kept that stat block and then added five levels. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Cause it, it's like a beast six or something. I, I bumped it up because you guys were well-armed had NPC helpers and the big main reason, well, actually I'll get into this a little bit later with a four V one encounter. You guys have all the action advantage in the world. Yeah. So I, I need to help balance that it more, more towards the, the beasts direction. Um, you can throw in any beast you want in the final encounter, which is really cool. The The coolest thing about the Vindanax, the coolest thing about the danger in the dark is that it wasn't really b- about the creature in the way that it had to be a Vindanax. You can really throw anything in there and it would work amazingly. Lots of hidden backstory and like lore, for lack of a better word, that you can dish out to your players as they ask for it, as they find it, as they want it. Um, it it kind of helps slowly unravel the mystery as you go. And, and that's kind of Cool. That really adds the horror vibe, I think. Oh, yeah. When we got to the command center and we checked all the security tapes. Yeah, and stuff like that, yeah. It was great. You watched two of your soldiers get like ripped apart by, that you left behind by the ship, by the by the monster. You watched the, the monster's first kill. There's also a captain's log up there you guys didn't dive into. But like the, the module gives you like four weeks worth of captain's log entries to read off, which That's is crazy. super cool. That's you can so like cool. watch the situation slowly worsen because like. Well, I won't spoil, but it, the way they handle it, like how the, how the crew realizes what's happening aboard the Isle Station is really, really neat. And then the, the things I would change uh, or, or things I, I just changed, like I already said, I buff that boss. If you run this, buff that boss. I don't If they're level six, still buff the boss or just throw in a different beast entirely because it's it's really, really a cool uh, default stat blocks. Way too weak. Only one enemy in the final confrontation. Your party has all the advantage there. I thought about like a gross creature that like buds and like shoots off like little baby yeah. mooks. They're like, eh, you know, so yeah, yeah. that would also help with the situation as well. The final map has these big shelves because you're in like a Home Depot style like storage room. Yeah. I let you guys acrobatic squeeze through the um, the aisles to kind of help with the movement problem a little bit. And it was it was nice. Another. um just my two cents. Yeah, go ahead. Things I would throw into that encounter to make it more dynamic. Yeah. Change. Maybe the, maybe there's a, a load lifting, like, Ooh. hook from the ceiling that moves stuff around. Yeah. Maybe the monster can push the shelves over onto players. Oh, yeah. And then it's like a hazard you have to avoid. That would be sick. I'm, I'm a little bummed I didn't think of the pushing shelves over thing. That'd be great. And, like, a forklift in there would be fun just to... Shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's very aliens still. <laughs> yeah, what? exactly. I said shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. But, hey... You listening now, you know, have the Vindanax push some shelves over on your stupid fucking players. <laughs> they're not stupid. Just no, Stevens no, were. <laughs> no, no. But I did like Yegor was like, I'll just stand here and tank this thing. It's fine. And then died the next <laughs> round. <laughs> he had the, I thought he had more HP than me, too. He had the least <laughs> HP out of any of you, actually, which was the he funniest really, thing to me. He really thought he could take it. Because uh, I was I was had my fingers crossed. We just done the beast episode and I was like, fuck. I need to get a full round attack beast attack off because the, yeah. the Vindanax has rend, which if it you gets both its claw attacks in, it does a additional 2d6 on top of whatever it does. Which is amazing. 
And yeah, I got, I don't, I'm, not every attack landed, but I, I got like one or two full round beast attacks on his ass and he went down, which is oh, great. Of course. Cause that's the whole like thing. I told myself this encounter wasn't like Halloweeny enough. If one of you guys didn't go down. Oh, absolutely. And, and like, oh, it was perfect. <laughs> I, I downed a player and got like you down to half health. Oh yeah. And like that, that's exactly what I wanted to do. That was, I thought that was perfect. It's another, I would. I would throw a creature in that has like a ranged attack. Also. Ranged attack would be great. A so like sort of two spitting. swipes and then like shoots acid at like the player behind yeah. you and stuff like that. Yeah. The the final encounter is definitely limited by a kind of mass stat block. And I just, I meant to make my own creature for it, but I forgot to. So I just fucked it and added five levels on top yeah. of it and it, it worked. But now's your chance to throw a really creative creature in there. If only we'll have a, some sort of repository of creative <laughs> peer reviewed creature stat blocks here pretty soon. It, but yeah, that's that's danger in the dark. Um, oh, sorry. I had one more point. This isn't really the modules fault. It's just something that I did that helped a lot. Creating a visual aid to help your players navigate aisle stations. Great. You could easily run at theater of the mind, but I, I didn't want to. Um, I made like images on roll 20, like a virtual tabletop, like as like four square blocks. And that one block was engineering. The next block was storage room two. the next block was was the command center, stuff like that. So just my players had a place to put their tokens represent where they were yeah. as they explored the like the station. layouts of the of the ship and stuff like exactly that. and then I, I made a cute little graphic that sat at the bottom of our vtt just to look nice i i snipped some stuff from the movies make it look like a nice ui you know how it goes and i love when uh those visual aids don't take away from the immersion oh you yeah. know like yeah. they're not it's not like a mechanic thing it's just there to help you visualize yourself and and Steven's sense of imagery and descriptions still shine through regardless of the visual aids. Or yeah, not. no, those visual aids were not like, I think we talked about this the other week where it was, that was not my meat and cheese. I didn't say, look yeah. at this JPEG. That's where you are. I, <laughs> I really just tried to do what I could imagery wise with my own voice. Scent was a big one. Of course, ozone and rotting flesh were the two big scents of the night. I think I, that method I kind of got from Lakobic because his was the first I'd seen. It's been done a million times, I'm sure, but where he had like, specific outline blocks that had like a cool picture and text and, an, oh, and yeah, a border yeah, yeah, yeah. for him to move his players around. And so that was definitely very Lakopic inspired. So thank you, Lakopic. Did you have anything more to say about danger in the dark, Sam? I loved it. Uh, yes. Very fun. <laughs> That's pretty much it. It was great. Uh, you could get that done in one session. We did. It was. Yeah. yeah I didn't have to cut anything to do that. You, you can do more at the end where you like, call the company responsible for the station and be like, Hey, we killed the weird bug. Uh, pay us. Yeah. <laughs> give us, you can def, you can extort them for more money. And there's even some suggestions you, you can loot cause it's an abandoned station. There's like luxury goods aboard. Mm -hmm. You can just take the game gives you a little outline for like how players might get consequences for stealing uh, in, in such an opportunistic way, looting yeah. basically. And there's also an opportunity for them to erase all uh, surveillance footage of them doing so, uh, which is which is funny. That's so it's, cool. It's yeah. just it's, it's really the, the module does a great job of kind of fitting itself into like a real world, which is, is nice. Sometimes better than some adventures I've, I've played with other people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's nice that the official content takes a lot of that into consideration. Seriously, No, for real. And I don't know many other modules that go to such lengths to like. Be like, oh, yeah, if your players looted here, they should probably have a confrontation with the authorities in a couple sessions. I'm like, whoa, fuck. Really swissy right now. That's one of those things where I see when running modules or when reading modules that yeah. to some people, like to you and me, it might be like an obvious thing. Like, oh, of course, they're going to have consequences for stealing. Yeah. But to some others, it's like, oh, no, I didn't think of that. That makes sense. When you write it out, I mean, even if it's 
supposedly obvious. It can only help you. I yeah. mean, it's, it's great because this module doesn't pretend it's in a vacuum like some others do. Like it's not just in a jar on the shelf. It's, it's going to be part of this a continuous fine vintage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of this continuous story that you're telling with others. So it, it's, it's great that it, it treats itself like that. I think. Well, I hope that inspired you in your own module writing, Stephen. Oh, I, I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm so snarky about it. <laughs> Stephen, do you have another favorite module you want to talk about? I do. It's the only other pre-written module I've ran besides um, Dawn of Defiance. Uh, it's called Wanted Alive from Scum and Villainy. And this one fucking rocks, let me tell you. It's a level 12 adventure. So this one's a little bit more serious. You can definitely do this one... This one you can really like you. I like this one because you really get the GM gets their hand on the handle and you can throttle that shit to be like you can do as much of this adventure as you want to very easily. It's for a module. It's very modular. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can absolutely choose with pretty fine control how much this you want to play, which is why I say it's about one to three sessions worth of of juice here of, of true meat. The outline from the book here again, the scum and villainy reads. The heroes receive word that Draba the Hut. Now, before I continue, obviously, Draba the Hut can literally be anyone. <laughs> if there isn't some sort of underworld crime connected NPC in your campaign, why? And second of all, they can be Draba. Anyone can be Draba. That's rule one of of one of the lies. Yeah, but I can be Draba. You can be Draba, Sam. <laughs> like a, a poster of like a. <laughs> Of a hut hanging from a branch. <laughs> it's just hanging there. You can be Draba. <laughs> so fucking funny. The heroes receive word that Draba the Hut is offering a hundred thousand credit reward for the capture of a human thief named Paul Verten, who stole ancient artifacts from the Hut gangster. Now this segment goes into a little bit of detail as to to Verten's true identity. I'm skipping over that for now because Verten's identity itself is kind of the main crux of this story. And also, it's really fucking cool. So you should either read or better yet, play it for yourself to find out. Burton's plan to get away with this depends on Draba sending bounty hunters after him. So to that end, he's seen to it that word has spread that he is on Nar Shaddaa, hiding out in a casino known as the Kessel Club, which is a great name for a, a club and <laughs> casino. I really like it. It's so insensitive, right? Because yeah. it's a fucking prison <laughs> camp, you know, like... That's awful. Yeah, I'm gonna my new bar, the Guantanamo Bay. Like, <laughs> that's great though. I, actually, never mind. I like it now. It'll have a, it'll have a big like because you know those like uh, those cocktails you can like share with a whole group. Like a, yeah. like a big, you can have the, the waterboard and it's like. <laughs> And it's got like a jacuzzi. It's got like one of those bars that's like in a pool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, so that that's kind of the main overarching. Bit. I, I chopped out the middle portion of it that reveals the the big twist, but the main beats are Draba the Hut, Anarshada has some really rare Sith artifacts that he would like back. Burton has stolen them and has a plan to stay stolen. Um, really, really cool stuff. Although Burton, this is the next the the first chapter summary. That was the overarching one you heard. Now this is the first chapter summary. Do you want? Although Burton has spread the word of his whereabouts, he has not made it too easy. And he worries that bounty hunters will attack him en masse, overwhelming him before he has a chance to strike back. Thus, he has spread rumors that he is on a dozen other worlds to throw off his scent. So this is the coolest and also the strangest part of the module. It's one gather information check. And if the party fails it, they have to spend a few days pursuing false leads. And I had not read that particular bit before running it. 
So I had to improvise false leads, which sucked a little bit. But this is where I'm talking about how you can really begin to choose how long this module is, because you can easily fade to black and be like, after days of searching, you pursue false leads and they amount to nothing. Okay, next, next, next thing. Here we go. Or you can improvise something cool or you can bring in other modules. Yeah, There's you can mo- run the danger in the dark here. You can run danger in the dark here, which would be really fucking funny. Cool. Um, or there's plenty of other modules that are so short they could easily fit into this pursuing false leads thing. So if you really want to take this to the max, strongly recommend that you do. Throw throw another adventure inside this adventure. Hey, the, hey, dog. The adventure turducken. <laughs> we heard you like adventures. Hey, everyone remember 2010 <laughs> in here? I remember memes in 2010. <laughs> yeah, so what I ended up doing at my table is I, I did like these little vignettes. They actually were really cool. I was proud of this. I had the party split up. I think like three ways and then did little vignettes where they each had their own little confrontation that resulted in more skill checks, more violence. I got one guy in a ramen shop and pulled a Greedo on him to like sleight of hand, pull the, the blaster out from under the table, but he noticed and it was a really cool bar fight. Ramen That's great. Bar fight. Yeah, it was nice. I just watched um, Blade Runner. Ah, so yes. I was like, of was course, like ramen shop time. But yeah, so th- that's your, the module doesn't tell you this, but that's your, your free free do some jazz do some jazz tell tell him stevie p said to jazz it up right here where it says false leads for a few days or they just pass the check and you move on to the the next part yeah we were gonna run a really nice module but then i listened to a podcast and the host said to just get silly with it so <laughs> that's what we're doing this week you guys oh wait, why are you le- why are you leaving yeah <laughs> I, the pizza's on the way or i <laughs> yeah and you know it's really gonna depend how much time you want to spend on this uh of course so succeeding that part gives you three main leads. Um, I won't tell you what they are, mostly because I can't remember them perfectly, but one to like a prison on a nearby planet, another to an asteroid field that has some cool, ugly fighters waiting for you, which I, the module explicitly includes ugly fighters, which, which I yeah. like. And then the third and final lead. Oh, actually, I do remember it pretty well. A really sick speeder chase through Narshara. Nice. Uh, really, really good stuff. The, this chapter is summarized with the following in the book. In addition to his scheme of using multiple false leads to throw off Jabba's agents, Burton has made friends on countless worlds, and he has warned them that bounty hunters might come looking for him. Since many of these friends also have prices on their heads, they are more than willing to try to take down the heroes as a favor to Burton and as a way of avoiding capture. Burton has friends at the prison, in the uglies, in the asteroid field, and chasing you down in the streets of Nar Shaddaa. It's really fun. Whoa, 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 Steven. What? Now, hear me out. Huh? Take dangers in the dark? Throw in a hunter bounty, a bounty hunter stat block chasing the party as well. So caught between a fearsome bounty hunter and a gross creature. Yeah. And maybe the bounty hunter helps them take out the creature or maybe the creature takes out the bounty hunter and it gives the players a chance to escape. Both very interesting possibilities. Those are quite juicy, especially if it could totally change the relationship that party has with their their bounty hunter rival or just kill him which is that, that also is a change in relation <laughs> oldie but a goodie yeah, <laughs> yeah ch- changing his relationship status with life to death <laughs> but then after those false leads the party uh tracks pulverton to the castle club on narshada like we said at the, the top of the summary this is a super sick encounter with a really unique map it's a narshada city street right side left side with a big like gorge in the middle like straight up coruscanti like hand yeah. type stuff really really fun uh, the heroes track Pulverton to the Kessel Club on Narshada, but must approach the club from the far side of a deep canyon between two buildings. 
They cannot enter the club directly without getting into a fight with the bodyguards outside, which would alert Verten and allow him to escape through another exit. Instead, they must wait on the opposite walkway until Verten is out in the open. Really cool wait and watch encounter. You can stake out stake out for real. It is. He's I believe he has to cross this little like promenade to get to a speeder. He's summoned on the other side. Meanwhile, the party is already on that side and has to cross to get to him. And then if he gets to the, the his speeder, like it's over, like adventures, like you lose really, really cool stuff. What I like about this module is that Verton actually gets stronger the longer the party takes to find him. It's so cool. I can't tell you more without spoiling his whole deal, but he's going to be a more fearsome combatant the longer they drag their knuckles in finding this guy, which is so, so cool. I love when a story element like that is codified in, in, in game mechanics, like on a stat block. It's amazing. That's one of those things that really only the GM would know. Yeah. And then the players wouldn't even notice. They wouldn't even really after, appreciate or, it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's cool. But it's for you. But it's for you. <laughs> and it's amazing. And, and plus, I don't know, maybe it'll teach them a lesson about dragging Taking their feet, which so. again, they would, it's like, it would have been, he would have been easier to kill if you just were faster. It's I like, bet I it's, don't know. I bet it's understand like in retrospect, after you find out the twist and you take that's them out. That's true. The module makes the, this part of, of the, the game make a lot of sense. Like, trust me, the twist explains why he does that and, and why it might be a good idea to track him down sooner rather than later. But very cool. There's great social encounters with a, a myriad of branching possibilities. Uh, great encounters overall. Like I said, this game hands you like, three to five micro encounters that you kind of have to string along into this big story about finding Pulverton. Very, very, very fun. I'm labeling this a great cyberpunk story because it is rife with subterfuge and violence. There's plenty of both in spades. Things I've changed. This module is not perfect. It's not as gracefully written as danger in the dark is. If the first, like I said earlier, if the first phase of the adventure doesn't go well for your players, you could be stuck improvising a few game days worth of play as they chase down false leads. Like we already said, pop in another module here and you win. Like you could even do danger in the dark. You could do one of the many, many others that are out there. And then two of the three possible encounters in the middle portion of the module are a little incomplete. There's like no DCs where you might want there to be it. Like for the prison one, it says if they convince the guards to tell them where Verton is, it's like, that's all it gives you for that. And that's when I just go to my, Skill challenge DC's table, which was not a thing at the time of this module's printing. Ah, that's uh, why. Yeah, so it's it's you're gonna. This is a good module to practice your improvisation with, I think, because it definitely expects you to. That being said, fantastic module. Also, plenty of room to add hazards and, and flesh out with DC's. It, the, the as written in the module, the encounters it gives you are more like prompts for you to make another yeah. encounter on your own, which is fine. Yeah. Just not what I come to a module for. No, when I, when I have all. a module, I'm like, oh, I want this to be ready to go. And this one is like thoroughly half-baked. But you can throw some icing on there and it'll be, it'll be fucking awesome. Sit down, do an hour of prep with this module, fill in the cracks, and you've, you've got yourself a solid one to like three and a half sessions here. Another one I will honorable mention, it's also in the Unknown Region Sourcebook. I can't remember the level for it off the top of my head. It's called Rogue 7 is Down. Um, the module even pitches itself as this in the book. It's great when an, someone important goes missing, whether and it gives you a whole nice kind of ABC what to do when either a party member or a friendly NBC just goes missing on a faraway planet. It suggests that I like this suggestion a lot. It says Rogue Seven is down. Maybe Rogue Seven, 
you know, big air quotes in this story is the player who missed last session or a player who's won't be at this session that has to be, is incapacitated. Has oh, to be I recovered. Like that. Yeah. Really, really cool one. Like if you have, I like this one cause it's super, have it locked and loaded, ready to pull when your party member, let me, maybe his car won't start and he won't make it to the session that la- that night unexpectedly last minute. Oh, I bet the writers were patting themselves in the back for this one. Seriously. Run rogue seven is down. Suddenly glup shitto, their level seven scoundrel is crash landed on a distant, like unknown regions world. And you gotta go get him. Oh my God. Glup shitto. Exactly. And it's uh, it's good. You fight, you fight just a straight up, like, like Kraken. Nice. There's a, there's a, just, just a <laughs> Kraken fight. It's the first fight. It's so cool. And then there's really good, you climb a mountain at the end uh, to, to find the down ship and it's got great skill challenges for climbing a mountain. I just, I thought it was written well. You, you can like parties can get lost and lose progress while they climb the mountain. If they roll shittily enough, it's, it's good. It's really okay. good. A little bit of survival checks. In yeah. There. It's got some light survival elements and you just, you straight up fight a Kraken, which is just, I don't know. It's so funny to me. Uh, it's good stuff all around. It's a great module. Uh, that's that's rogue seven is down. That's also in the unknown regions book. Pretty much every Swissy supplement has some of these printed somewhere in there. The best ones, or, or at least the most meaty ones I've found, are in Scum and Villainy, which has tons of them, including the Mission Generator. Unknown, yeah. Love yes. the Mission Generator and, and the Job Generator and the Bounty Generator That's as right. Well. They have the Job Generator in Scum and Villainy, the Mission Generator's Galaxy at War, yes. which also happens to have a fuck ton of awesome uh, modules to run in it as well. The, the Job Generator slash Bounty Generator is your friend when it comes to improvising those, those days of downtime pursuing false leads. Uh, really, really cool stuff. Another reason why I, I like one of the live a lot is that there's layers of false leads. The first part of the module, you're chasing down false leads that are like false, false. Then you're chasing down the false leads that Verton himself made. And <laughs> then you finally find them. It's, it's, it's good. Good layering. That's why I said it's like a cyberpunk story. Cause it, I mean, it is come on. Also D six and RCR era adventures are still very popular. They, they, I've seen, I hear people, someone wrote in last week writing about how they were running one, the, um, the spice one that, that was an RCR adventure. And then um, D6 adventures still get ran all the time. Starfall, which is where like it's you and a few others trapped on a Star Destroyer that's being destroyed from the outside. That was converted to Swissy. <laughs> really cool conversion. Really well done. Um, if you, dear listener, have any adventures from any Star Wars RPG that you want to talk about, tell us about, have us feature. Please write in, let us know, because I love talking about modules like this. And uh, maybe we'll start running a few and then get back to you as to what we think on them. Heck yeah, Steven. Absolutely. Welcome to the break. This is where we beg for your money and pretend- welcome back to the break time podcast. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. No, this is the part where we ask for a little bit of money, but it's also the part where we tell you where that money goes and what it can get you. The dark times podcast is a community funded podcast. We, we can't do it without your guys' help. Hosting a podcast costs money. Taking time out of our days to do this is our joy, but also has an opportunity cost associated with it. If I could convert Spotify streams into groceries, by God, I would be doing just that. <laughs> I'd be watching my own stuff. For, <laughs> yeah, for real. Was it muted by your bedside while you sleep? We receive so much outpouring love for this show. And if you go on our Patreon, you can sign up for our 5 or $10 tier. I think you can drop any amount of money you want, but the, the 5 and $10 tiers are exactly what they sound like. You can vote in our build bounty showcases. Sam and I love showing off the builds you guys send in, but the Patreons get to vote for which one's the best. What those criteria are, well, 
That's up to the patrons. We have no idea what, what makes a winning build, but they it's, do. It's that picture of like Socrates and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and Plato and Plato just like talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Discussing the dark times bounty build showcases. So funny. Um, we also throw some supplements on there every now and then. The dark times module is under work and I think we'll be wrapped up here pretty soon. We got something promising in the works and yeah. now that I'm unemployed, it's easy to do things like that. It's so. easy to sink six hours a day into exactly, writing a module. Exactly. Exactly. So there's lots there to, to have. There's some maps. Uh, the premium edition of my hex crawl guide was up there though. Of course, now that's, that's available to the public and thank you. You got your cool, uh, uh, con- confidential document. Yeah, there's some uh, nice handouts. handout templates there for like passing along secret information. You can just add a text box on top, type up whatever you need. They're really easy to use. Yeah, there's great stuff on there and, and it's a really fun spot. Some people comment and chat a little bit on there. It's good. But more importantly, it's a tip jar, really. It helps fund the show. It, if by showing support to the Patreon, you're telling us, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We love it. Steven, you forgot the most important thing. What was well, it? I mean, I, the sense of community is the most important thing. Yeah. However, $5 patrons get the dark time sticker. How could I forget? Decorate their water bottles, their binders, their, you know, whatever they want to put them on. Stick to the $5 tier for three months. You get a sticker. Stick to the $10 tier for three months. You get a sticker and a t-shirt. We have a ticket open with Patreon. That that sticker does not appear in the tier yet. We just actually heard back from our, our guy at Patreon. Benjamin, who, dear God, Benjamin, please help us out here. We need that sticker in that tier, dear God. Thank you. But listeners, it's happening. We're going to make this happen. If we, if you miss your sticker, we're going to get you that sticker. It's going to happen. You have my word here on air. I'm telling you now, stickers are coming. But yes, those are just a few of the things available to our delightful patrons. And if you don't want to support the show with your wallet, that's okay too. Trust me. I totally get it. I can't subscribe to every Patreon I'd like to. Trust me. Tell people about the show. Tell your table. Tell some schmuck on Reddit. Tell your mom. Maybe. Maybe. If she, if you think she'd be interested. If she can party. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and send us emails, you know, make a build, send it into the show. We'll feature it. Uh, Fan submitted segments have gone on air and I I love the idea that this community, this, this dark times podcast ought to be a platform to feature your best ideas about saga edition. And, And that's what it is really. To inspire. To inspire. That's what we're here to do. And a shout out specifically yes. to Ezekiel for sending us a picture of his shirt. Yes, it looks great. It looks just like all the other ones, which makes me happy. I'm, I'm glad they can print them shits out just fine. <laughs> can I say that? I, I think it's really funny. The only pictures of the shirts we've gotten aren't of people wearing the shirts, yeah. but they're of the shirts. Like... <laughs> Do a mirror selfie. I want to see how it lays. Crop your face out, honestly, if that's like, it's fine. But it's it's been the same. We've got like three <laughs> pictures yeah, like and I think three. laid out on the bed, like top down photo, which is fine. It's just funny that no one's put them on yet. <laughs> Although that guy on the um, FSF podcast, I think, yeah. recorded an episode wearing his, which is which is awesome. And also a shout out to Juan. Hey, new $10 patron Juan. Thank you so much, man. I'll never forget his message. He said, I meant to support you guys from the beginning, but now I'm here. And it's like, fuck oh, yeah, Juan. Awesome. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Your your contribution is is goes a long way to helping the show. So we really, really like that. Thank you so much. And you can send any feedback about the show to darktimesswse at gmail.com. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter at darktimesswse. But a lot of the discussion, Stephen and I absolutely prefer it to go into Reddit comments. For yeah, the big, long stuff is perfect for Reddit because everyone can see it. Everyone can input 
Uh, long, longer stuff is hard to read on the radio, as as you realize we have to truncate quite a bit sometimes. But there's nothing wrong with that either. If you got a whim, send it in. <laughs> like, that was good, Stephen. That was good. Thank you. Let's get you guys back to the show. Welcome back to the to the Build Times uh, Saga Edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about build, build time. Time. <laughs> time for a build. Uh, Zilla Krolik sent in a build this week. Yeah, so this kind of came... I thought it was in the same email as his Beast submission. No, it's a separate It's a separate email. email separate creature, though related. Yeah. Uh, Zloy sent in a build. Uh, if you read the Doom Whale submission, mm-hmm. you will see a little excerpt about two fishermen or fisher aliens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And it's re- it's relevant to them and the razor squid and the doom whale and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so what stood out to me about about the razor squid? It's very simple but very delightful. It's only it's only level four, which means it's like a CL three beast or yeah. something. It's a squid with rage. It's a squid <laughs> with a rage attribute, which I really really like. I'm I'm a fan of invertebrates. You know, being a being a biologist, I, I love the weird creatures. I thought you were going to say being one myself. Oh, being a rage squid myself. <laughs> being an invertebrate myself, I'm a big fan of them. No, but it's it's amazing. The the uh, well, you know, I guess we'll just go down the the list here. It's the it's the Benarian razor squid. Oh, very good. Very Is that good. How you say it? Benarian. Yeah, that's it's it's very Star Wars sounding word. I like it. Medium beast four, strength fourteen, deck sixteen, con twelve, intelligence two, wisdom ten, charisma eight. HP of only 28. So you're send these guys out in their own little pod, if you will. They're Benarian squid pod, a, a group of them. Swim speed. Of- what if it's like a pack, like a pack of razors or something like that? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Perception plus seven, initiative plus 10, reflex defense of 17, fort of 11, will of 10. Very simple, simple creature here. You got to love it. Grapple of plus six. You can buff that if you want him to be a little more grippy as a squid, I think. But uh, but this guy's got his own thing going on. So as for species traits, it is aquatic, which means it lives underwater. It's got a swim speed, all that jazz. Yep. It has scent, which means it can do perception checks uh, to track, I believe. Yes. It has the ferocious uh, species trait. The ferocious species trait means the razor squid can reroll a failed attack with one of its natural weapons. That's, That's pretty badass. cool. I love that a lot. And it also has rage. Once per day, a razor squid can fly into a rage as a swift action. While raging, the razor squid temporarily gains a plus two rage bonus on melee attack rolls and melee damage rolls. A fit of rage lasts for a number of rounds equals to five plus the razor squid's constitution modifier. At the end of its rage, the razor squid moves one minus one persistent step down the condition track. Penalties imposed by this persistent condition persist at least 10 minutes to recuperate, during which time the razor squid can't engage in any strenuous activity. Okay, I think I see I, I see the thread that the like game design, I see the game master brain, the fingerprints left by Zloy on this stat block. So its feats are also rapid strike and skill training initiative. Of course, the important one being the former there. Your rapid strike bite, which by default is only a plus three to attack, but a two D eight plus two damage. That's we're approaching like blaster rifle shit there. Oh, That's yeah. pretty good. Squid rages gets that bonus on its attack. Then you can re-roll those rapid strike piercing attacks with its beak. Uncle Ben, what happened? Squid rage. <laughs> <laughs> For real. No, and, and then, you know, get a pack of six to eight of these on the board. And oh my, you've God. got an issue on your hands. Uh, these are definitely excellent, like, 
MOOC that does something interesting on their own. I believe Zoy mentioned in, in his email that they're a MOOC to the the whale. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Um, amazing stuff, Zoy. Thank the you. The email and the build's going to be in the description, obviously. Yes, of course. Um, honestly, I, I, I don't know what Zoy thinks about that, but I like to imagine these things like can tear through like ships and stuff. Yeah, I'm always imagining them like ripping sections off of ships and just being very, I mean, if a causing ra- leaks and stuff like that. A rage yeah. squid evokes a very specific image in my mind. And, and I, I, I think it's cool. And like changing colors with their emotions. The raging squids sounds like a, like a croissant like hockey team. Oh or my something God, you're like so right. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, great build. Excellent. This is, this is a... I, I think the need for good mooks is is underrated, less well understood. You're a bit of a mook, like I, I'm mook pilled, yeah. Mook pilled, <laughs> henchman, <laughs> henchman core mook pilled. Because you know, for the f- past 15 years of Swissy, everyone's been building like the the biggest, baddest guy they possibly can, which is great. But like a good mook adds a lot to the encounter. That's the majority of the enemies your party's facing. Why not crank up your mook game a little bit? That's all I'm saying. Just to, you could have that one for free. There you go. Put that in your pocket. <laughs> that little nugget of yeah. Zenith sloth wisdom. <laughs> so much wisdom. Steven. Okay. I know you have plans tonight. I do have plans tonight. However. We're going to go see a movie. I've let you off with a warning far too many times. This For those unfamiliar, this is named that NPC where I literally kill you. Yep. This is a game on the show where... Steven has three chances to ask a yes or no question and then guess a stat block and describing to him. If he fails all three chances, he dies. And I will be looking for a replacement host in the coming I'm, weeks. I'm literally at risk of losing my life. He's fighting just, for his life just, here, ladies just, no, and gentlemen. Yeah. Don't worry, it's a train stat block. There's not in any real danger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is sent in by Lil Literalist. Been a while since we've had one from him. Yeah, it's usually Zoy has been been pounding the because um, he thinks like if he sends in the NPC that kills me, then he gets my spot. Which we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, this is from the Clone Wars campaign guide affiliations: the Fringe, Black Sun, the Hut, Kajadix. Oh, this is a CL nine stat block: large Hut, noble four, scoundrel three, crime lord two. We're looking at languages, basic, botchy, Gamorian, high galactic, huddies, quarnies, roadies, rill, and shriwook understand only. We've got the special actions, command, cover, disruptive, impel ally 2, presence, walk the line, and weaken resolve. Classic crime lord. The hut species traits of force resistance, uh, supreme stability, and silver tongued. Talents, disruptive, impel ally 1 and 2, presence, walk the line, and weaken resolve. With defeats, improved damage threshold, improved defenses, linguist, point-blank shot, skill focus, deception, perception, persuasion, and weapon proficiency, pistols, and simple weapons. Steven, do you have a question? Yeah, could you remind me of the source book? Yeah, it's Clone Wars Campaign okay, Guide. That's what I thought you said. So, hut in the Clone Wars Campaign Guide, that narrows it down, like, a lot. Like that's a not, lifetime. that wasn't your yes or no question, by the way. You still yeah. get a yes or no yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, does this character appear in... In the in the Clone Wars series, yes. Okay, is character purple? <laughs> yes. Zero the hut. Zero the hut. <laughs> that is correct. He is a purple hut. Well, Stephen, you got it. Zero the hut. I mean, that's incredible. Zero the hut also has a single destiny point. Oh, seven force points Good for him, and a dark side score of six. Only six, huh? Yeah, it's not a bad. I mean, it's well, what's her wisdom score? The. <laughs> 
The wisdom score is 16. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's 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 passable. Yeah, that's evil. That's that's bad. Bad guy stuff. Great. That's a good pocket pick. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, little literalist. We really yeah. appreciate it. Well done. Keep sending them in, folks. If you have a stat block for name that NPC or I literally kill you, please feel free to send it our way at darktimesswse at gmail.com. Put name that NPC in the subject line or Steven will read it yeah. and spoil it for himself yeah. accidentally. It, it's happened before. I've opened emails where I'm like, all right, let me fan mail. And then there's the <laughs> one thing I'm not supposed to read right there looking in the face. So yeah, lay, subject line in it. Well, that's the problem, Steven. You have to leave the email reading to our secretary, Kermit the Frog, apparently. <laughs> And then, yeah, like, even if you have, obviously you probably want to reach out about more than just the NPC, send a separate email with your submission for name that NPC or literally kill you. And then send another email with whatever the hell you wanted to say. And not to be nitpicky, but I prefer the stat block to not be like an exclusive to the role-playing game stat block. <laughs> not that there's a problem with that. It's no. just that Steven, first of all, one, he doesn't know all the books yet. No. And second of I've all, only he, read hasn't, most of yeah, he hasn't read all of them. He hasn't committed all the stat blocks to memory. He's pretty good at just narrowing down canon characters. Yeah, it's, 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 my superpowers are are just that of deduction. The, yeah, it's deduction. <laughs> it's referencing the source book with like canon characters, but you know, it, it, it don't matter. It don't matter. I got some trivia for us this week, Steve. Oh, let's hear it. In 2001, this is fresh off Phantom Menace came out in 1999. You know, we're having a great time. One of the rumors among Star Wars fans was that the boy band NSYNC was going to be an Attack of the Clones. So good. I wish. Both George Lucas and Rick McCallum's daughters wanted them to be in the movie. The Fatoni brothers, I think it's Fatoni or Fatone, it might be one of those. They're, they were in NSYNC, said in a 2017 interview with HuffPost that they even went as far as to record scenes fully dressed as Jedi. Supposedly, they were going to appear in the Battle of Geonosis. Ultimately, the scenes were cut, possibly due to NSYNC being SAG union workers and agreeing to do the film for free. And then rather than deal with the paperwork involved, Lucasfilm decided to just cut the scene entirely. I don't know who along the chain of command decided to, but we could have gotten NSYNC in, in Star Wars. Can I would you have imagine? <laughs> I wanted, wait, fuck. That's, That's Backstreet, Backstreet Boys. Boys. It's going to be May. Yeah. I was, it was, I want it that way. I know. No, no, but it's going to be May. Oh, it's it's going to be May. Yeah, that's yeah, NSYNC. Yeah. That's NSYNC. Oh, bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> That's them in the, in the Coliseum of Geonos. <laughs> the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven is my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. If you review us on Apple Podcasts and give us five stars or one star, we'll read it out on the show and we'll we'll tackle those issues or, or uh, accept that praise wholeheartedly. Uh, Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? I've acquired a pod in a game of chance.
I still have the Phantom Menace script open. I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Can you do it? Can I hear it as Liam Neeson? Like, can I get, get oh, give me yeah. a Liam Neeson I, version? I, I don't even remember how he says I've, I've acquired a pod. British, right? Vaguely. He's Scottish. Scottish, that's yeah. right. I've acquired a pod in the game of Oh, I forgot I meant to add the second bit here. I've acquired a... I have acquired a pod in the game of... Fastest ever built. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody! <laughs>